God, I ask that today you would continue to work the theme of it is well with my soul. Continue to work it. God, we just stand against um, chains and strongholds. Things in our lives that uh, don't want us to hear your word today. And we say you are not welcome here. God, give us eyes to see, hearts uh, ready to receive, feet that want to run with obedience, and mind to co- minds to comprehend your word. May we fall deeper in love with you today. May we surrender more to you. God, may it be well with our souls. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So we're in the book of Exodus. Finding a way out, and um, today we actually get to talk about a position within our heart that becomes well with our soul. So I'm not sure if Ron and Nadine knew that, but it's certainly a theme that is forming about a process. Life is a process. It's a process. It's a process. It's a process. And guess what? I'll just be honest with you. I don't like the process. Plain and simple, I don't like it. And we're going to talk about a process that Moses has today. But before that, what we see here in Exodus is, look, this is, a, this is a true story. So this is just as true as we went up to the homecoming game on Friday and picked up the trash. This story actually took place. That's really fun to think about, that we get to read a story that's literally taking place. So as we go through this, then you can say, well, this, you can't just say this is just a good story. This is a real story that's also a good story that brings transformational power to our lives. And this is quite the story. So when you read this true story, guess what you say? And I thought I had it bad. (laughs) Now look, we we do have challenging situations in our lives. But thus far, God is working. We haven't seen a lot in Exodus 1 of where God exactly is working other than Moses was... um, Last week, Moses was drawn out of the water, but I believe that's chapter 2 anyways. So God is working. God's people are multiplying even though they are being extremely oppressed. They're becoming really large in numbers. During the time of oppression, God chose a baby to help bring about redemption. We know that baby is Moses. The mother built a little ark, and she was willing to let go of her child down a river. Now that's crazy. I have to imagine that she had to say, it is well with my soul. She had Nadine there singing. How are you, girl? (laughs) Nadine was literally there encouraging her. It is well, it is well. I'd try to hit the falsetto that she gets, but we'd all leave. (laughs) All right. So um, she lets the baby down the river. It is well. Pharaoh's daughter said, I got dibs on it. She wanted it. She grabs the baby, pulls it out of water. Now we begin to think, you know what? Maybe God has his guy in position now, right? He has one of his people that's going to help oversee the kingdom. Maybe he'll become second in command. Maybe he'll become the king himself. You start to assume the first time you ever read this story, if you never really... Um, knew anything past this, you start to say, hey, look, 
God's got his dude in place. Redemption and everything else is coming. We're ready for victory. How often do we assume that we know what God's doing in our lives and then it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would and then we become disappointed? It's, this is beginning to look like a great way to launch a Christian program within the hierarchy of the kingdom. He's certainly going, Moses is certainly going to be in high places within leadership. And we're fairly certain at this point that he's going to be able to bring God and freedom to the palace. But what we have to remember is this, is God always does things differently than we expect, right? He's always doing things differently. A life with Christ is better when you follow him step by step, not assume what God is doing and take control. Far too often we assume what he's doing, then we just say, I'm ready to run with it. I'm ready to run with it. And a friend several years ago shared with me, he said, Joey, I see this picture of you on a track. And he said, you're running in front of Jesus. So, ooh, I'm faster than Jesus. He said, no, 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 that's not good. Slow down and let Jesus lead you. There's this anxiousness in our hearts to just want to run with it, to run with it, to run with it, because there's this desire within us to think that once, once we arrive, then everything's going to be okay. So, much like life, the perfect scenario didn't take place in this story moving forward. Moses um, doesn't take over the kingdom, and he doesn't become second in command. He finds himself caught up in a process that God is revealing to him who he is to him. And he finds himself in a process that he doesn't really love. Anyone in a process today? One. We're going to become a participating church, okay? Let's practice this again. Is anyone in a process today? Thank you. I'm in a process. I'm in a process. Moses is going to make mistakes and God's going to teach him in those mistakes. And even in Moses' mistakes, God has a plan. So if you have your Bibles, Exodus 2, verse 11. Should be up on the screen. Yep. All right. One day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their uh, and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one one of his own people, looking this way, and and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in, in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? 
Then Moses was afraid and thought, What I did must have become known. Moses killed a dude. Then he thinks he can get away with it, right? Other people see it. And I guess this, just in peace, not in the notes, your actions, your testimony actually um, matters, right? Moses did something bad, and now the people around him are afraid to be around him, right? Like, are you going to kill me too? Nevertheless, at this point, Moses, I believe, is aware that he was a Hebrew kid. And when you go to the, the Hall of Faith chapter in uh, Hebrews 11, I'm just going to read this to you. It's not on the screen. By faith, when Moses had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoying the fleeting pre- uh, pleasures of sin. He re- regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of the greater value than the treasure of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. So we see here in Exodus chapter 2, Moses was what? One day after Moses had grown up. Now in Hebrews, in the Hall of Faith chapter, it's telling us this, he's grown up. So this is what he possesses now that he's grown up. He refused to be known as Pharaoh's son. So he's not... Um, identifying as an Egyptian. He's saying, I'm one of God's people. He chose to be mistreated and face long suffering like God's people. So probably at this point, um, I guess he's 40 years old, right? He decided to murder a dude. Do we have any murderers in here? Remember, I said this is participating church. <laughs> I was just trying to get someone in jail. So we got, we got a murderer, all right. I'm not raising my hand. Amen. I guess once you committed one, you committed them all. Exactly. Yep. So, um, Moses kills a dude. Now he thinks, I just have to imagine he's thinking it's time to fast forward this process, right? You know what? I'm God's, I'm going to do a great work in this land. And because I'm going to do a great work in this land, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast forward this process. I'm going to begin to live into my destiny right now. What I'm going to do is I'm going to knock off this dude and I'm going to become a defender of my people. It's time for him to defend the oppressed. So he killed him. And then he hit him in some sand, right? Covered up his tracks. And I would say this, anything that you do for God, you never have to cover up your tracks. You realize that? So you're questioning yourself. Should I, can I do this? Is this God or is this not God? If you have to cover up any tracks, it's not God. Right? If there's that, if you have to lie about a receipt or lie about this or lie about that, it's not from God. Either way. So, um, he's trying to fast forward. So then we also see in verse, um, Moses revealed once again um, in verse 13 that he was trying to act as the deliverer. So um, right here, the next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked one of them, um, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? So we see him first killing a dude and stepping into his, 
what he perceived as his destiny, right? To relieve the oppressed. Now he sees two people fighting, and then what does he do? He tries to step into that again. Two times within one chapter, Moses is trying to set the oppressed free. He wants it. He wants to live into his God-given destiny. How many want to live into their God-given destiny? We're participating. Great. I do. I really do. This was his way of freeing his people. And what was it? It was obviously a crazy idea, wasn't it? Let me just murder a guy. Compulsive. Wrong. Deceitful. He hid a body in sand. Immoral. And guess what it was? In the grand scheme of um, delivering oppression, it was very ineffective. When you take things into your own hands, you're going to be very ineffective. We always have to be in pace and in stride with Christ. So, we need to follow God. God's order, even if what we think uh, looks and seems right. We have to follow him even when we see, um, see things that look and seem right. God has a plan for you. God has a process for you to grow and to mature in faith in him. We're all in process. We're all in process. So you got a flat tire on the way to church today. And then your kids took their dirty diapers and they threw them all over the brand new car. And Funyuns, you know about Funyuns, right? Funyuns are in every crack and crevice within that new vehicle. And you say, God, why me? God's in that process. I believe... Um, that Moses was probably at a point in his life where he, he was wondering if it was going to matter. He's 40 years old. Now look, 40's not old. Um, fine. 80's not old. It's not. We're, we are eternal beings here. Moses, 40 years into his life, had to be asking the question, when is my life going to matter? He heard the story, I'm sure. Your mother took you and put you in a basket. And just imagine this mother, right? She puts him in a basket. She puts him down the river and he gets spared. He gets saved. You know that mother. All mothers would say this. And even in Scripture, it says there was something different about this boy. They recognized there was something different. Could you imagine that mother? Her whole life, guess what she would be saying? Well, my son, he's different. My son was literally put down a river, and God spared him. There's quite the destiny for my son. Mamas, you do that, don't you? You do that unless... My son, one day, he got an A for participating in gym class. There's a destiny for my boy. 
He got a participation award for finishing last in soccer, but there, there is a plan that God has for my son. That's right. <laughs> this mom had to believe that there was a destiny. Moses had to believe that there was a destiny on his life because he heard the stories, and guess what? He's 40 and nothing took place. And many of us in here today are saying, where? When is my life going to matter? Why isn't my life mattering yet? Why do I just take one step and one step and then backwards and then sideways and never get anywhere? Why, 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 why? We all are currently longing to arrive at the season that God has created us for. And I believe that that's one of the biggest lies that will deceive us into being ineffective in our lives. The belief that the season of arrival is just around the corner or that God has actually created just a season of your life to be effective. Well, once, once I get this position, then everything will arrive. Or once I write a book, everything will arrive. Or once I get a new job, everything will arrive, and then God will be here, and then this, and then my life will be perfect. Who believes that? We all believe it. We've all believed it. We all think that there's this season in our life or this time of arrival, or if we're older than 40, then guess what we think? We've missed it. Now we don't even dream that way because then we just said, well, I was rebellious in my old days and now God's done with me, so I'm done. I've missed it. And as long as we believe that there's a season of arrival, then we're deceived. Because there, there's, there's, a, there's a season of revival or arrival. You know what that season is? When we pass from this life and go to the next. Then we arrive at the final destination. But on this side, there's not a season of arrival. Because I want to say this, the season of arrival is now. I'm here to tell you that, this, um, that you are in the season. And you are in the season because that season of arrival that you're looking for is the process of life, not the moment of life. Quit looking for the moment and understand that the season of arrival is today. The process, the process, the process, the process. I hate it. I don't like it. I don't like the process. I want to arrive and I want to think that all my problems are going to go away. And if I think that, I believe you guys have thought similar things. Why? Because I'm a human. As humans, we become so narrow-minded that we begin to think that God created us for a moment of great success in the kingdom. That's how narrow-minded we become. God, you just created me for just a moment. What happens when you get to that moment? Maybe that moment surpassed all great things that you thought it would. Then do you just retire? <laughs> I guess I'm done. I don't need to clock into church anymore. It's the process of knowing that God is faithful in your life 
and that he loves you and that he wants you to surrender more to him. Process, process, process. God created us for an intimate relationship with him. And I think one of the greatest ways to have an intimate relationship with God is to go through something. Because in that process, when you're going through something, I believe that God always shows up. He reveals to you his faithfulness, his love, his provision, his grace, his mercy, his truth, his discipline. When you go through something and you don't like the process, God is there. God calls us all to something. He's given all of us in here unique gifts to change the world. But our job is to not make those gifts come to fruition. Our job is to follow him and be okay with the process. Do you realize you can step into your calling the wrong way? Moses did. Never do I think that God would say, you have to murder someone, and then once you murder someone, then you can step in to being um, called. Scripture does not say that. Now, it is unique that within Scripture, some of the most influential men within the Bible were murderers, right? But sometimes it's about the things that you go through, the depth by which you go through something might be the character that he's creating in you so that you can do something special. See, the easier things that you do in life, if, if all you want to do is just retweet, or not even retweet, repost a picture of Jesus on Facebook, and that be the extent of your ministry, then you might have a pretty easy life. But if you're grinding it out and pursuing people and giving and giving, imagine being really generous, right? God, I give away $1,000 today. It was my last $1,000. God, you better show up. And that's a process of learning his faithfulness. You're not going to know God's heart as deep if you keep on playing it tight to home, right? You got to position yourself to trust him. And Moses now in this piece has, has made a mistake to where now he has to learn who God is at a greater le level. And what we're going to learn next week throughout Exodus is this, is at this point, many people are still questioning who Yahweh is. Moses, next week in chapter 3, he's going to find out in peace who Yahweh is. There's often a hidden expectation within all of us. That makes us think that we have to do something immediately. And you want to know what that hidden expectation is? One, you want to matter. You want to be important. You need a firm. You want to have value. You want to know what the other thing is? Is the world. And the different aspect of the world that I want to talk about today is this. Money and numbers. The world says this. Pastor Joey, you better grow the church. 
the elders, the elders aren't putting this pressure on me, so this isn't where it's coming from. But the world says, Pastor Joey, hey, you know, we had 180 people last, last month, and now we have 178. You better grow the church because the numbers, the numbers aren't saying that you're growing. You must be ineffective. What about this? Maybe I'm in a process. Maybe there's a process in the life that God wants to bring Mechanicsburg Christian Fellowship through, and he wants to say, I want to prove my faithfulness. I want to prove my love. Even when you doubt, I want to prove that I love you and that I'm there for you and that I'm going to make it work. Because maybe the church grows to 50 people. And when I say grows to 50 people, that there's 50 people here who are sold out, giving it all, okay with the process. And then once God has those 50 people ready and mature and processed and continually processed, then he can bring revival to our community. But, but what's scary is we become so practical and within our heart the hidden agenda is numbers and money. How are you growing? How many bricks are on the building? How many bucks are in the offering? And how many butts are in the seat? Triple B, big baller brand. How... Where do we see that in the Bible? Where do we see um, bricks, butts, and bucks? That's right. <laughs> so take that out, right? Take the church out now. What about in your personal life? Who told you? Who said that's the pressure you need to live under? Who said you have to step into your destiny today? Who said you have to force something to make something happen? Who said it? Because throughout Scripture, we see process. I might be 80 before I see the fullest thing that God has for my life. But you know what? It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Because when I become so anxious about the things that I want to accomplish for God on this side, because I believe this, some things that I want to accomplish from God are my own desire. Not everything, even though it's well-intended, even though Moses might have been well-intended here. Some things that we become well-intended in aren't from us. I'm okay with the process of doing what God wants and being disappointed in the things that I don't receive. Process, process, process. It hurts. It's challenging. People doubt us. You know what? You were faithful at your job and you got fired. God, I honored you. God, I did what you said. I didn't elevate. I didn't cheat. I showed up every, every day early and I left late. And I still get let go of. Why am I here? Instead of asking the question, why am I here? Maybe saying, God, where can I look to your provisions? What are you doing? How are you providing? We're all in a process.
God is a God of process, and that process is often about you trusting him and you trusting our Father. Verse 15. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midianad, Midian had seven daughters, and they came to uh, draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Raul, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Raul asked his daughters, why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter um, Zipphora to Moses in marriage. Zipporah um, gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out, and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning, and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. So he looked on to the Israelites and was concerned about them. So Pharaoh tries to kill Moses. Go get that dude. Knock him out. Bury him in the sand. So Moses is feeling scared. He flees, right? He gets out of the land. This time, um, in this story, what's interesting is um, he's now, what's he, what's he doing? What do we see? He's at, he's at this well, right? What's Moses doing? There's seven ladies there. What's he do? Moses comes to be the defender again. Can you believe that? Three times in one chapter, Moses comes as the defender. Is he stepping into his destiny too soon? Well, this time it worked out for him. He got a wife. So, um, interesting. He, he comes up on the scene like this. This is where it all started. Uh, excuse me, sirs. Um, ladies first. Ladies get some water first. That's what always happened at the drinking fountain at school. You get up there and you try to push that thing in and you basically put your lips on it, right? And you get everyone's cooties. Ladies first. Moses did it. Ladies first. Got his wife. But he still was living into this, this idea of, it's my job. He took ownership. He took I, I almost think he took, uh, he went over the top in the ownership of what God created him for. 
He needed to walk in stride with God rather than to own it. And some people are truth speakers in here. And Oh my Lord, Macy can speak truth. And it's like, if I could preach to my wife, she can speak truth and I can speak truth, but sometimes owning being a truth speaker isn't the right thing to do. And Macy doesn't do that. Um, Macy's very wise and discerning and prayerful in anything that, um, honestly, I'm serious, that she um, speaks truth on. But sometimes, you know, you can have those people who are like, I'm a truth speaker. That shirt sucks, Scott. <laughs> yeah, he shouldn't have wore it after Labor Day. Does anyone know a truth speaker like that? It doesn't mean that I'm wrong. We could take a vote today. I don't have anything wrong with the shirt. But we have those people in our lives who just think that they need to own their destiny and start living into it almost too soon. Moses, three times, three times, he lived into it. And I would say this, there's, there's our due diligence and our surrender to God. And, and, and what's something that we're supposed to do? Matthew 28, go into the world, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything Jesus has commanded. And then one of the best parts of it is this, is Jesus says, surely I tell you I'll be with you. What are you supposed to do? Wake up, love God, work hard, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. And then guess what? Make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them to obey. Jesus will be with you. I don't see in there where it says force, force your destiny to come to you. See, the more that you just start encountering the world and doing life, guess what? The more you just begin to continue to process this life, those destiny moments are going to come to you. And then you don't have to force it. Forcing things gets you in trouble. So Moses is married. He has a kid. Verse 22. She gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom. For he explained, I have been a foreigner in a foreign land. I have to think the word foreigner in a foreign land, right? Moses was a foreigner in a foreign land. I believe that his state of mind had to be way off. That foreigner in a foreign land was potentially speaking to his spiritual state, the state of his heart. He felt like an alien in a strange place. His homeland was Egypt, not Canaan. I really think that this could indicate how he was feeling inside. Far away from home, far away from where he thought he was supposed to be. And the thing that he might have felt called to, he was doing it and it kept on getting him in trouble. But God, I'm doing the right thing. But God, I'm doing the right thing. But God, I'm doing what I was created for. 
And those things just kept on getting him in trouble. So now he's in a, in a foreign place spiritually. He's in a faraway land spiritually. He doesn't know what to do. If you didn't know the rest of the story, at this part of Exodus, you would think that Israel's future and God's people might be in jeopardy. Or they might be threatened by Pharaoh. But guess what? In spite of all of this, guess what God was? God throughout this story was highly involved in this process. He was making all things work together for the good in this process. That's what a piece of what we want to capture today. No, we're not Moses in here. No, we're not God in this story. No, we shouldn't think that or identify as Moses's. We identify as God's children, but a, character that, a characteristic that we should see is that God is often at work when we don't see it. Throughout the book of Exodus, we're going to see God at work, and we're not going to see it. We're not always going to know it. Today, God's at process in your life. And guess what? You probably don't see it. You don't see all of it. You don't know all of it. You don't feel all of it. You don't sense all of it. But God's at work behind the scenes. I want to wrap up with this. Um, I received um, an email a couple weeks ago, and I want to send you a, a piece of my response back to this person. When I received your email several nights ago, I was laying in bed, and I usually do not check emails at that hour. Upon reading it, it broke my heart, and Macy was trying to sleep. I needed to share with someone because it was heavy on me. Sharing, sharing with Macy during that moment would not have allowed her to sleep. So all, all I was capable of doing was to go to her father in heaven and ask for the well-being of your family. Sometimes it frustrates me that what I see as a nightmare, God sees as an opportunity. It frustrates me in my process, the things that I want pity parties over, the things that I say, God, this is a nightmare. Sometimes it frustrates me that he sees it as an opportunity. Now, I love that it's an opportunity, but my heart's like, why do I even have to be here? My perspective falls so far short of his. Now, I'm skipping um, some of the email. God does something supernatural in those who are dealing with these types of situations. What I have realized is that there is nothing like God's faithfulness. Yet, some seasons, my flesh wishes that I didn't require it. Though I am thankful for his faithfulness, I can also be in seasons where I wish I could truly move from glory to glory. The more I experience life, I do not see glory to glory as a place that we are worldly abundant. Rather, when the worldly abundance isn't there, we have contentment and peace with who Jesus is in our lives. I do know that God is teaching us the secret of contentment. 
as I, as I was in prayer a couple months ago, I felt like God revealed to me that his secrets are rarely spoken, but they are learned through the situations of life that we learn to know his faithfulness. What I'm saying there is the secret of contentment is learned through the process. Learned through the process. Learned through the process. And then I say this, Macy and I are, are Macy and I are in a season of renewal. And that's where I have to count the cost. Do I press in or do I run? See, my flesh would say, I would, my flesh, my flesh, my flesh that hates the process. My flesh would say, I would rather the enemies not be after me than for God to have to part the Red Sea. I would rather not have to go to Pharaoh and God just deliver his people without me. I would rather not be accused like Joseph than be challenged to keep my heart and remain faithful to what God has called me to. I would rather not have to build a small boat and place my three-month-old child in it by faith. My flesh doesn't like the process. I don't like the process. I don't like the situations that we find ourselves in. What I am learning, slash email, reminded of during this season, is that my heart needs to be willing to serve God and trust Him because He is good. Not have a God that serves my plans. There is a longing in me that wants to think that this is the season of arrival for Macy and I. That there's going to be fruit upon fruit, laughs more than cries, peace more than fears, rest more than work. It sometimes feels as if God answered our prayers, then it would work him right out of the equation. Someone once said, God will never allow us to live not in need of him. I love that our Father knows what's best for us even when we do not like it. That he remains steadfast in his pursuit of revealing who he is to us in the world. Abraham had a process. Joseph had a process. Moses had a process. David had a process. Our processes do not look the same as theirs. But what I do know is that God is in the middle of the craziness of life, revealing who he is to us and the world. We are in a good place because God is working. Amen? Um, I don't always send emails that way. So when you get the, I love you, God bless you, I'm praying for you, don't at me. We're all in a process. Our processes do not look the same. Your process isn't going to look the same as mine. And when someone's having a bad day, know that there's probably a process that they're in and your job is not to make it worse but to bring life to encourage if that's you today if you're in a process 
and you want God to help you focus and be okay with that process, I'm gonna ask that you stand and I would like to pray for you guys. God, this process stinks, but I'm going to count it a pure joy because I'm learning who you are. Before I pray, four quick, four quick um, points that we can see throughout this story is God is highly involved in the process of life, point number one. Point number two, he is proving his faithfulness even when it doesn't go your way. Point number three, there are consequences to your actions. Number four, we didn't get to this today, this morning, but um, don't stop crying out to God because God doesn't go back on his promises. At the latter end of this uh, chapter, what we see is um, because of their cry, God answered. Don't stop crying out. All right, God, come to you and I just say, we're in a season of process. I pray for those who are standing and those who, um, those who are not standing today, God. Help us look to you in the season of process. Help us, guide us, lead us, speak to us clearly. God, throttle us back where we need to be throttled back. Accelerate us where we need to accelerate. God, I pray that process wouldn't be an excuse of laziness, but process would be a place of saying, God, um, I trust you. Grow us. Make these things work together for our good, Father. Bring peace to us this week. And in this process, may we just continue to discover who you are in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. All right, hey, go hug someone in the process today.